Well, good morning, and happy Easter to all of you. And normally we say, Christ has risen. Uh, we'll try that again. Give me, another, give me another chance, Russ. Christ has risen. All right, okay. And as uh, one of the, the landscapers here at the facility remarked to me this morning as he, as he passed by, and he said, good morning, chaplain, and he said, happy Resurrection Day. So I think that puts it really well. Please join me as we sing the doxology, and it's hymn number 549 in the Red Hymnal. Hymn number 725. The disciples came to Jesus asking, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called the child and had him stand in front of them and said, Remember this, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the one who humbles himself and becomes like this child. And the person who welcomes in my name, one such child as this, welcomes me. Some people brought children to Jesus for him to place his hands upon them and pray, but the disciples scolded those people. Jesus said, Let the children come to me, and do not stop them, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. He placed his hands on them. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 300, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.
Lord in prayer. Our gracious God, we do say in our hearts, in our soul, that your Son has risen. And Lord, we celebrate it on this day to remind us of the sacrifice that was performed for each and every one of us so that we may have the forgiveness of our sins, so that we may have fellowship with you, so that we may have eternal life. And Lord, we are just so thankful that you made that sacrifice so we could have those things, so we could have the life that you have given us, and to use it to your glory and for your purpose. Lord, as we come before you with the needs and requests in our lives, first of all, we say thank you for the blessings that you have given each and every one of us. And God, it is in that spirit of thankfulness that we come before you with the needs, with the requests, with the challenges that we have. Not just our own, but of family members and of friends, of patients throughout this medical center, of the family members who will be visiting, of the staff that are working today. Lord, we lift all of those needs up to you. And we know in a very special way that as we pray for others, we are also praying for ourselves because it gives us the opportunity to see ourselves before you as we really, truly are. And God, we thank you for that vision that you give us, for that spirit that is in our lives that reminds us of our calling to be supportive of all that are around us. And Lord, we think of the greater needs of the city and the state of this nation the needs that you call to mind right now of things that we have seen, that we have read. And Lord, we just pray for those special ones right now that you call to our minds. And Lord, we just lift them up to you in prayer. We'd ask that you would intervene in a very special way, that you would hear those requests as well, and that you would always remind them of the presence of your Spirit in their lives. And God, we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 303, I Serve a Risen Savior. Thank you. 
found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, beginning with verse 9. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. After Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country, these returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God, Lord, we are reminded that we are to believe that you have risen. And it is because of that belief that we do have that connection. And Lord, we would ask that you would give us that faith that we need to have so that we can keep that connection always in our hearts. Help us now to understand that better. And help me, God, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, today is Easter Sunday, and as we say in the military, B-L-U-F, which means bottom line up front, and so my bottom line up front to each and every one of you is that as we think about Easter, it is a time when we should examine our own lives and what have we done with that event that each and every one of us has had when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And part of that bottom line up front is if you have not done that, if you have not personally accepted Christ as your Savior and Lord of your life, you need to do that. So I'm not going to try to wiggle it in somewhere in a nice way or sometimes try to squeeze it in or sometimes try to cover it up. I'm just giving you the bottom line up front this morning that if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you need to do that. And if you have not done that, anything that we do in chapel worship will absolutely make no sense to you because you do not have the same spirit as those of us that have accepted Christ as their personal Savior. All right? All right, so I put the commercial up front. So now we can get to the story, all right? 
The other day, Lynn and I, we were discussing some things, and Lynn likes to read historical fiction. In fact, when she has a question about whether certain events happen in the historical fiction book that she is reading, she asks me, did these things actually take place in history? And of course, I can't waste my knowledge and opportunity on history, and she usually gets more knowledge than she truly wants to know about a historical event. Because I go on to all this, I basically give her this lecture about this period of history and all the different things that was taking place on it. But she shared with something with me as she was reading her, her historical fiction, and this is a quote that others have heard from what I understand, but it's a quote that has stuck with me for the last couple of weeks, and I want to share it with you. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. Let me say that again. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. And I have been thinking about that. That was the first time I've ever heard that quote. And I don't know how it struck you when you first heard it. Maybe it was this morning or maybe some other time. But it actually struck me in a very significant way. Because I thought about that. And I thought about the things that I have a hard time forgiving others for. And I need to also put myself in that category. Because I have a hard time forgiving myself for the things that I have done. And so when we look to the cross, we should look to the whole idea of forgiveness. Because you see, as we have drank that poison in our own individual lives, Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for each and every one of us, his crucifixion, his death, his resurrection is the antidote for the poison in which you and I partake on a regular basis. And I don't know if they still do this or not, but a while ago, as I remember, when we had little kids, they would come around and they would have these Mr. Yuck stickers. Do you remember that? Do they still do Mr. Yuck stickers? And they would tell you to put these stickers on things that should not be consumed by little children. They had this green, ugly-looking green sticker, and the person had this yuck, you know, and he had his tongue sticking out. And so if you remember those Mr. Yuck stickers, Lynn does, because we had Mr. Yuck stickers around because we didn't want the kids to have some things digested in their, in their, <laughs> in their system that could create harm for them. So we understand what it is to digest something in our lives that is not good for us. And unforgiveness is something that I believe is we all do it, we all struggle with it, and if we're not cautious about it, if we cannot do something about it, it will truly poison our lives. And Christ is the antidote to that poison. But please understand this. We in our society have a lot of misconceptions about what forgiveness is. And we say, I think, when we think about forgiveness and we think about people in our lives that have wronged us, 
we say we cannot do that. And I would agree with you, we cannot do that. But there are three things about forgiveness. If you look at it this way, you can forgive. Number one, it is a canceled debt. Number two, it is giving up the perceived right to get even. Number three, you owe me. Now for me personally, I don't have any issues with a canceled debt. I don't have any issues with you owe me. But I do have issues with a perceived right to get even. Because out of those three, I struggle with that one. Maybe you struggle with the canceled debt idea. Maybe you struggle with the whole idea of you owe me. Or maybe you're like me and you struggle with the perceived right to get even. And there's always a danger when I share something about myself. But I think it's also a blessing because it increases my personal awareness of the things that I need to work on. And when we think about the whole idea of what forgiveness is, if we picture it in our minds, we can say that we can take care of that canceled debt. This is something that we can do. We can, with awareness, do away with the perceived right to get even. We can do away with the right that you owe me. I think the three, of, the three things that we have there, I think all of us can do those things. If we understand what forgiveness is. Now, forgiveness does not mean that if somebody has wronged you, that the wrong that they have committed to you is acceptable. That is incorrect. The wrong that they have done to you will always be a wrong, and forgiving them does not change that unacceptable behavior. And I think a reason why a lot of people struggle with this whole idea of forgiveness is they think somehow if they forgive that they are saying that the wrong that has been done to me, it is okay. That is not the case. A wrong is a wrong. Unacceptable behavior is unacceptable behavior. But you and I still need to forgive for ourselves because you and I do not want to continuously drink the poison, waiting for the other person to die that has wronged us. The other aspect of forgiveness that is difficult for us to grasp sometimes is we think that forgiveness is going to be forgetting the wrong that has been done to us. That is not the case. We will remember. We will not forget the wrong that has been done to us. So that is not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is those three things. It's a canceled debt. It's giving up the perceived right to get even. It's giving up the whole idea that you owe me. And as we look to the cross this morning, and that Christ is no longer on that cross, Christ is no longer in the grave, He has risen. He is the antidote for you and I. Think about it for a second. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and you ask him to forgive you of your sins, what did God do? What did Christ do? Christ took care of that debt. He canceled that debt. 
Christ took care of the perceived right to get even by God. Christ took care of the whole idea from God that you owe me. That's what Christ did for us. So in the same way, does God appreciate our bad behavior when we do things that are unacceptable in His eyes? The answer to that question is no. Does He still love us and does He still forgive us? The answer to that question is yes. Because that's where grace comes in. Now you and I, because we are not perfect and because we are human beings with all of our flaws and with all of our frailties, sometimes we are in relationships where we know that if we do forgive them, will the relationship become reconciled? Will there be a sense of oneness? Sometimes there's relationships, there will never be any reconciliation but you still need to be able to forgive. Why? Because as long as you do not forgive, you are still drinking the poison, waiting for the other person to die. You still need to be able to forgive. Now, if there are relationships in your life that are very valuable to you, mean a whole lot to you, there's relationships in my life that mean a whole lot to me, that value so much to me, that I am willing to go through the process of reconciling that relationship. And as I express my forgiveness in those relationships, the thing that I have to add if I want that relationship to be reestablished is I have to put together the whole idea of trust for reconciliation to happen. And there's a cost in there. There's a vulnerability there. Because if you want the relationship to be made right again as much as possible, then if you want that relationship to be reconciled, you have to add trust there. Now keep in mind, there are some relationships where you still need to forgive, but no reconciliation is possible because the trust will just never be there. But yet you still need to be able to forgive. Because when we understand that, then we see the way of Christ in our lives. Then we see and then we understand the sacrifice that God has made for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, do we always get it right? No. Are we at times hurting emotionally from the things that have happened? Yes. And when we look at the wrongs that have been done to us, there is a grieving process. There is a hurting process. But one thing that we need to remind ourselves that as we go through that forgiveness process, God is by our side. He has not forsaken us. And if we have accepted the forgiveness of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and if we say He is risen, happy Resurrection Day, then it is a testimony to who we are and what we believe in as followers of Jesus Christ. But as we are going through that hurting process, as we grieve in our lives because of the wrongs that have been done to us, as we try to pursue forgiveness, as we try to get it right, it is one step forward, two steps forward, maybe a step back, maybe three steps forward, maybe two steps back, but we keep on moving forward. Because it is only then do we realize in the relationships that we have 
how valuable they are because we have made a conscious decision to stop taking the poison of unforgiveness. And when we realize that, when we take hold of the relationship that God has provided to us, when we allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives, then we see how God is working in our lives. Because when we take the poison, we make ourselves sick spiritually and emotionally with the whole idea of unforgiveness. In fact, Lynn, just the other day, she was reminding me, don't hold a grudge, because she knows me. Don't hold a grudge. And I think a lot of ways when we are honest with each other and the people that are around us that truly know us, those kind of reminders are a good thing. Lynn did not mean or mean it in a sense of judgment or any kind of self-righteousness. She just knows me. And she knows how much I enjoy getting even. But I don't want to partake of that poison. I don't want to have the whole idea that that's what I want to do. And so I need to be reminded of that. Just as each and every one of us need to be reminded, God knows who you are. Each and every one of us are individuals that God looks at and says, you know what? I have created something very special in you. And I want that specialness that I have given you to be shown to the other people that are around you in your own life. And we can't do that if we are always struggling with unforgiveness. If we are struggling with the bitterness. If we're struggling within ourselves the things that we should give up in those relationships that have been harmful to us. For see, that is the way of Christ. If we want to honor Christ on this Easter Sunday morning, we should look to God and say, forgive me for the unforgiveness that I have had in my life. Because we want that way to life in all things. We want that way to love. We want that way to joy. We want that way to truth. We want that way to peace. Because then we do look at the cross. We do look at the empty tomb. And then it has meaning. Because we have truly taken that testimony about what happened several thousand years ago and incorporated into our lives. Because then we have taken what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and put it into practice. We have put it into the work in our own lives so we can have a better life. Not just a life in terms of understanding each other better, but a life that God wants to have in the present and in the future. And it gives us all of the hope that we need to have. There's a wonderful scripture verse that talks about the whole idea of perseverance. And in the whole idea of working through unforgiveness, it's something in which that we have to persevere and have perseverance. But as we go through that process, that perseverance gives us that faith 
that God wants us to have, to believe in all things. And in that faith, we see that we have that hope that we have, the hope that we have in that empty tomb, the hope that we have in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we put it to work when we not only ask forgiveness of God of the things that we have done wrong in our lives, but when we also forgive others that have wronged us in the right way, in the right context of understanding that we can cancel that debt, in the understanding that we can give up that perceived right to get even, in that understanding that we give up the whole idea that you owe me something because you have wronged me. Because then we are exhibiting the way of Christ in our everyday lives. Amen. Please prepare your hearts as we partake of communion together. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have reminded us on this wonderful day a time to celebrate the antidote in our lives, your Son, Jesus Christ. For he is no longer in the grave. He has risen. A tomb is empty. He has done everything as he said he would do. And Lord, we are so thankful for that. And God, we'd ask that you would help us to honor that, that we can take those things that we need to be able to forgive and to apply them to our lives so that we too can see the way of Christ in all things. And Lord, we are so thankful that you give us this wonderful opportunity to publicly be a testimony, showing the commitment that we have made to your Son, Jesus Christ by having this communion together as one body of believers in your Son. Thank you, God, in Christ's name. Amen.
receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. We have a change here in the program. We're going to sing number 382, which Lynn was just playing. And we started singing this a couple of Sundays ago, and I also saw somebody on Facebook singing this song as well. Number 382, Be Still My Soul. Sunday, your resurrection, for you truly do live in our lives. And God, remind us of that and help us to deal with the unforgiveness that we need to do so that we can walk closer to you. 
And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for coming.